text for our meditation this morning as we observe the third Sunday after Epiphany and also the sanctity of human life. The epistle reading that you heard moments ago, especially the last verse. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace, love and mercy from God our Father, through Jesus Christ, our risen Savior and Lord. Amen. When somebody does something wrong to you, what do you want to do? It's okay, you can admit it. You want to get even. You want to do something wrong back to them. And here's how you figure it. Here's how you justify it. They did wrong to me. And so when I do wrong back to them, it's not really wrong because they did it first. They have it coming. We see it in little children. But it's not confined to little children. The older we get, the better we get at it. The older we get, the more refined in our tactics. You say something to hurt my reputation, then I'm going to say something to hurt yours. And so it goes. On and on and on. And, and after all, it's in the Bible, right? Somewhere. My friends, our epistle reading for today teaches us that the way that seems right to us is wrong. Two wrongs do not make a right. Two wrongs make two wrongs. If someone does you wrong, they deserve punishment. That is absolutely, 100%, perfectly true. But God's Word teaches us that that punishment is not up to you. It's not up to you to decide the punishment and then to dish it out. In the words immediately following our epistle reading for today, the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, teaches us that we are all under authority. We heard that in our gospel reading as well. We are to submit to the government authority. God has established authority, the government, to reward good and to punish evil. This is how God has worked things out in our world and in our society. He is not teaching that wrongs should be ignored. God is teaching us that it's not up to us to right the wrongs. We have no right to take revenge 
We have no right to get even. You heard the words of our text. Listen to a few of them again. Repay no one evil for evil. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. What St. Paul is doing here is simply echoing the words of our Lord Jesus Christ from the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Yeah, that actually is in the Bible. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other one also. As much as we like it, justice does not arise from inside of us. Justice, true justice, real justice comes from God. When you are wronged, and you will be wronged in this sinful world, when you are wronged, trust that justice comes from God. Commit your cause to God. Peter, in his first epistle, says it this way. For to you, for to this, you have been called. Because Christ also suffered for you. Leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin. Neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled... He did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you are straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. This whole business is unfair, isn't it? Oh, I'm not talking about when somebody hurts you. That could be unfair too. I'm talking about Jesus. You want to know what unfairness is? The only one who never sinned was brutally sinned against. And as the great Lenten hymn says, no one intervened to save, not even his Father in heaven. He never said an unkind word or did an unkind deed. And yet evil men lied against him cruelly mocked him, abused the justice system to put him to death. And all the time, Jesus 
silently endured it. No complaints, no threats, no ultimatums. Can you imagine anything more unfair? And what seems the most unfair of all is that God didn't stop it. As a matter of fact, God did just the opposite. Not only did he not stop it, he took the most unfair act in the history of the world and turned it into the salvation for all mankind, for you, for me, and for the life of the world. While men were wickedly abusing the justice system, and in so doing, the innocent Son of God, God was placing upon Jesus all of our sins. God was acting in what seemed to be unfair, in love and mercy for you. People hated God loved. God took human hatred and directed it for the purpose of divine love. And not only divine love, but divine love for you. The most treacherous act of injustice becomes the ultimate justice for the life of the world. Jesus bears our sins in his body so that, as we just heard, now we can die to sin and live to righteousness. Jesus has borne all of your sin. He has given you his righteousness. He has spoken his almighty world. We are healed just like we heard in our gospel reading, we are healed of leprosy, the leprosy of our sin. Did you hear what the centurion said? Just say a word. Just say a word. And Jesus said a word. Today, Jesus says a word to you. We beg for the word. God gives us the Word. With the Word is Jesus and all that Jesus brings. Forgiveness, life, and salvation earned by His perfect life, His bloody death, and His glorious resurrection. That's justice. True justice. And none of us have any reason to secure anything more than that. That's what God's Word is teaching us. We don't need to get even. We don't need to obtain justice. We already have it. All the sin of all sinners for all time was laid on Jesus. You know what that means? That means your sin was laid on Jesus. You know what else it means? It means the sin of the people who wrong you whose sin against you was laid upon Jesus as well. 
God's justice in Jesus Christ is perfect. There is no room for vengeance. Vengeance is mine. Thus says the Lord. If you want vengeance, if you want to see vengeance, look to the cross. Look to Jesus. Look at Christ's suffering. See Him suffer for the life of the world. When Jesus tells you to keep quiet in the midst of suffering, when He tells you to turn the other cheek in the midst of unjust suffering, He's not telling you to do anything that He hasn't already done. He's not telling you to ignore justice. He faced it. You don't need to establish what he has already earned and established. Sounds good, Pastor. But it doesn't work. I've tried it. It doesn't work. You might be thinking that right now. When we look around, what do we see? We see injustice of all kinds. Look around, what do we see? We see people wronging us, we see us wronging others, we see self justification. We see evil growing and increasing. If God's word is true, you know, overcome evil with good, well, we know how to do it. We've seen the template over the last three years. You know what I mean. Let's defund the police. Let's let all the criminals go. Let's, let's stop funding our military. Let's destroy all of our weapons, right? If we're going to overcome evil with good, doesn't that make sense? Doesn't that sound good? It's a fool's errand. Think of those places, those, those states, those municipalities, those counties that have tried to foolishly implement these kind of things. People can't walk on the street. People can't drive their car. People can't ride the subway. People have to step over people and everything people leave behind on the street. My friends, here's where we must make a distinction because God's Word makes a distinction. The Scriptures clearly teach there is a personal and there is a public. You have no right to take personal vengeance on anyone. But the personal and the public are not the same. 
Our text teaches us that revenge is forbidden. Let's say it this way. Revenge, seeking revenge, wanting revenge, is sin. But public vengeance, it's commanded by God. It's not sin. It is a good thing. Listen. To what Paul writes, just the verses after our text. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval, for he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. He is the servant of God, an avenger, who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. My friends, the government has no mandate to turn the other cheek. The government has no mandate to bless those who do wrong. It is required by God of the government to do just the opposite. To punish those who do wrong. God tells us individual Christians are not to seek vengeance or to mete out punishment. But to the governments of this world, to our government, he says the opposite. The government could not keep order and protect us from violent criminals if it did not have the authority, the God-given authority to use deadly force, any force, but even deadly force if necessary. That's what Paul says in the power of the sword. God gives this power and this authority to the government. It's to love you and protect you, to protect your property. To protect those you love. To protect your life. The government cannot overcome evil by refusing to punish the bad guys. But here's the crazy part. Individuals can. St. Paul says... If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. When we behave as Christ behaved and refuse to repay evil for evil, we are speaking more loudly than if we shop, shouted from the top of our lungs, from the top of the roof place 
Actions speak louder than words. And if you want proof, look to the cross. When you, dear Christian, who are covered over by the blood of Jesus Christ, demand no justice that you haven't already received in Jesus Christ, you are heaping burning coals upon those who do you wrong. You are heaping burning coals upon your enemies. You are heaping burning coals upon the agents of evil. The burning coals are shame. By your Christ-like action, you are shaming them. Or perhaps we should say it this way. God is shaming them through you. If they won't be ashamed, that's not up to us. We turn it over to God. We let God worry about it. We have no need to fight that fight for ourselves. Oh, but we do fight. God's word commands it. We fight. We contend for the truth of God. Contending for the truth of God is necessary. Contending for the truth of God is a Christ-like thing. It is noble. It is honorable. Not contending for the word of God is sin. My friends, evil is real in this world. And no matter what anyone says, the lesser of two evils is still evil. Hear God's word from Psalm 36. Transgression speaks to the wicked deep in his heart. There is no fear of God before his eyes. For he flatters himself in his own eyes that his iniquity cannot be found out. The words of his mouth are trouble and deceit. He has ceased to act wisely and do good. He plots trouble while on his bed. He sets himself in a way that is not good. He does not reject evil. We sang it just a few moments ago. Words from Psalm 97 in the intro. Oh, you who love the Lord, that's us. Oh, you who love the Lord, hate evil. He preserves the lives of his saints. He delivers them from the hand of the wicked. God gives us the promise that as we contend for his word, as we contend for his uh, truth, as we point out evil in this world God is with us and he will use that fight that proclamation that contending for his good my friends evil is very real among us if you paid any attention to the news just this past week just this past week 
terrorists, burnt alive, a Catholic priest in Nigeria, Father Isaac Aki. Why? Because he was a Christian. That's why. Just this week, Harvard, Harvard announced a new course in their pediatrics OBGYN department. The purpose of this course? To identify LBGTQA plus in newborn infants. That's not medicine. That's evil. In the past three years, gyms and barber shops and churches were closed down. While abortion clinics and pot shops were left alone and remained open. That's not good government. That's evil. Governments and corporations use baby parts in research and development. From everything from A to V. Aspirin, cosmetics, vaccines. That's not science. That's evil. People intentionally and willfully kill an unborn baby and they call it health care. That's not health care. That's evil. And just this week, the Guttmacher Institute said that roughly one million babies died in abortion in the United States last year. That's evil. That's shameful. Oh, we rejoiced when Roe versus Wade was overturned, right? That didn't end abortion. That just put it back into the hands of the state. Thankfully, 14 states have enacted laws to protect the unborn. Our state is not one of those 14. That's shameful. My friends, what are we to do? Well, we don't take out personal vengeance. But we speak and we pray. We speak the truth of God. The truth of God which clearly identifies that which is evil. We don't have to give our own opinion. We simply speak the word of God. The truth of God. And we contend. We fight for the truth of God's word. And we pray. We pray for our government and its leaders. 
The government is God's means to protect us. To protect us from evil. To fight evil. And to curb it. And that does not always take place. In fact, sometimes just the opposite takes place. We pray for our government leaders. For those who are standing up against evil. We pray for strength and courage and conviction. And for their protection as well. And for those who are agents of evil who are looking the other way or even promoting the evil among us our government leaders we pray for repentance and for change my friends it is the heart of the message of the christian church that god forgives sinners on account of jesus christ for every time we have looked the other way or failed to speak up or failed to contend for the truth, for every time we have not appreciated God's justice but sought to hand out, dish out our own, for all these sins, Christ Jesus has bled and died. He's died for you. He's filled you with new life and salvation what should our posture be as we receive this word of grace that gives us forgiveness and new life it should be a posture of humility we don't know so much that we can argue our own case. And we don't need to. Christ has already done that. All the way to the cross. My friends, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And we cling to that truth. God's Word teaches us we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ. The Righteous One. He pleads our case before the Heavenly Throne. He provides better justice than we could ever possibly do for ourselves. His justice will stand the test of time. Said another way, His justice is on the right side of history. And it will endure for all eternity. Thanks be to God. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which far surpasses all understanding, keep our hearts, our minds, our lives, and our justice in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. We stand and sing the offertory.